This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. Uh, We have been talking about the inaugural address that was delivered by Governor Jeff Landry, who actually takes office at noon today. This is all a little bit odd. Uh, But because of the weather, and I think they made the right choice, they moved the inauguration um, up a day to yesterday, and it it was a a beautiful ceremony. It was kind of interesting because we got a sunset in the middle of the ceremony, which that never happens because they try to time the swearing-in of the governor right at around noon on the day of the inauguration and because that's when, under the Louisiana Constitution, the power and the authority vest in Jeff Landry as of noon uh, today. So things had to change a little bit, but that's quite all right. And we decided to go ahead with the show to talk about uh, the inauguration and the inaugural address that was delivered by um, the incoming governor, Jeff Landry. And joining me in this hour is Dave Cohen, WWL News Director, as well as Robert Hogan, Professor and Department Chair of Political Science at LSU. Robert, welcome to the show. And Dave as well, of Hi, course. Thank you. <laughs> nice to be here. Yes. Robert, we'll start with you. Your thoughts of the inaugural address yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was um, a, a, an address that was, was very conciliatory in tone. It was not meant, I think, I think a lot of people, given uh, Jeff Landry's uh, track record as attorney general, sort of as a firebrand, uh, uh, you know, focusing a lot on hot-button sorts of issues, I think a lot of people maybe had the expectation that he was going to come out uh, swinging and uh, coming up with a, a lot of uh, talk that that might that might um, um, you know upset some people or, or certainly touch on very controversial issues. And he, he didn't take that route at all. I think he took a very conciliatory tone. He talked about um, the, the fact that we should you know we're in this together. We should work together. Um, I think it should should give comfort to a lot of people who had concerns. I mean, it was very general in nature. There were not very many policy uh, specifics there. And, and that's not too uncommon for gubernatorial addresses. Um, most of the time, that's that's what this is. This is a, a symbolic gesture of, of, of 
everyone's in this together. We want to work together. You don't want people who are likely to oppose you in political battles in the future. You don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to stop that process in its tracks. You want to work with people. Um, you need people. I mean, he, this is a governor that comes into office um, with greater potential power than, than any governor that we've had in a very long time. He has super majorities, uh, Republicans, and not just not just Republicans, but very conservative Republicans in both the House and the Senate. And so he is poised with a lot of power. He knows that, um, but he also understands, as good politicians do, uh, that even if there is a minority uh, who's against you, they can cause you problems. So you want to reach out, you want to extend the olive branch, and you want to start out on a good foot. And I, I think he, he achieved that, that end in his inaugural address. And Robert, I guess you would agree as well that there are a number of moderate Democrats in, in the state house that he would kind of like to have on his side as well, right? Sure. I mean, there's indeed um, um, there. There are a lot of people, I think, that that are moderates that, that he can work with. Um, I think that, that that's going to be the source of his ability to 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 achieve a lot is, is getting every getting a sizable portion on his side. Um, you want constitutional amendments. You want to really um, change the government in Louisiana. Um, you got to get two thirds of the legislature to go along with you. Uh, to get um, constitutional amendments on the ballot, um, and and that's going to be you know that's even though they've got super majorities in both houses, those aren't automatic, right? Um, these are people who um, you're going to have to form a coalition around each of these issues that you're putting forth. So you need all the help you can get. You want everybody on board. Um, you want a consensus to the extent that you can create one. Um, and um, and I, I, again, I think that that. He's, he's starting out on the right foot in that way. You know, I, I agree with your uh, summation of the address, especially in light of I had the chance to talk to folks on the inside of both the incoming administration and the outgoing administration. And the, the one thing that I heard was complete and total cooperation through the transition, uh, open access, a lot of information change, a lot of this is where we are, these are decisions that you need to make in the coming weeks, and, you know, just, uh, which is what I expected of the Edwards administration and obviously the same of the uh, Landry administration. It's always refreshing, right, when, we, when you have this kind of smooth, uninterrupted transition of power and that it all seems to work, even though the, yeah. ideologically they're in they're in two right. different stratospheres. But, you know, it's just this is when you really want adults in the room. No, absolutely. I mean, there are examples in Louisiana and other states probably where things were not the transitions didn't go so smoothly. I mean, the other thing you know, about being governor is that it involves, you know, some of these partisan issues that, that sometimes dominate you know the national headlines and that kind of thing um but a lot of what goes on in state politics is very practical in nature it's not so much democrat and republican or conservative or liberal it's how do you practically get things done mm -hmm. this is a state that has endured as everyone knows an enormous number of natural disasters and it requires a governor who can and does and is willing to talk to, to all sides 
and to get things done in an emergency. And um, this this is, you know, it, it is comforting when you have, as you say, adults in the room who are getting together and, and talking about, hey, we have to, the governor's job is to govern. And um, uh, it, it is, it, it is, it says something about everyone really that they're willing to do that, um, in, at least initially, <laughs> um, early in the administration. Yeah. Uh, Dave Cohen, our WWL news director, uh, joins us as well. Dave, your thoughts? There were a couple of moments where it felt a little uncomfortable, though, with Landry, for obvious reasons, talking about a new day in Louisiana, yeah. making some references to the former administration, albeit not very specific, but making it clear that change is coming and that he was not happy with all of the things that happened in the past. But it was, as most inaugural addresses are, and I think this is my seventh one uh, here in Louisiana covering as a journalist, uh, they're supposed to be hopeful. They're mm -hmm. supposed to be inspiring. They're supposed to be, you know, generate emotional applause. Uh, I think that there was a smaller crowd than there would have otherwise been because of the sudden and last minute change uh, in the scheduling, clearly due to the weather. But there were moments where Landry would make an emphatic statement and end it with an exclamation. And there wasn't applause. There wasn't a standing ovation. And he would pause and wait for it. And it didn't come. And, and that may be because you didn't have everyone there that would have been there had it been happening today as we were leading into the inauguration, because clearly many people had scheduling conflicts. Yeah. Uh, Robert, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I completely agree that it, 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 it did. It was meant to inspire and to fill hope and, you know, for the future and that sort of thing. But you're right. I mean, he did touch on items that were somewhat divisive. I mean, at one point saying that, um, uh, students need to be protected from unsuitable subject matter. Um, and the school should emphasize wholesome principles, not an indoctrination behind their mother's back. Um, I mean, that's, I think everyone understands what that means and it does, um, um, you know, provide some guidance for, for what, what, what the major, some of the major issues are going to be. Um, so, you know, this was not without any sort of partisanship. There was certainly uh, some of that in there that, that reflects, you know, in his values. I mean, he was saying at one point our people seek government that reflects their values. I believe the most important voice in a child's education should be that of their parents. Um, these, are, these, are, these are signals, at least, um, what his thinking is and in terms of what, what policies that he's likely to pursue. Um, and school choice he, being one. Certainly. Exactly. Exactly. School choice, um, the whole issue of, of libraries. Um, there, there's a whole range of, of issues that, that could be put in there. And we're just going to have to wait for, you know, wait for specifics. I mean, Landry, I mean, if you consider, you know, how he got to this position, um, I mean, the campaign that he waged was one that also did not give us very many specifics. I mean, he campaigned on fighting crime, um, enhancing economic development, improving education. You know, those are things that every, everyone wants. Um, with very few specifics, he was able to get away with not having 
to elaborate on what sort of policies that he would implement. So he, he, comes, he comes here really with, with a blank slate. We know what he's capable of. We know what kind of um, – how he, how he um, carried out his duties as attorney general. There was, there was a, a great attempt to, to constantly sort of stir the pot and to, to enter in national politics and to get into the culture war um, issues. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens now that he has this, this huge amount of power that he has. Um, that he didn't have as attorney general, um, how does he use it, um, and, and what direction he's going to take the state in. I think some people may have been surprised by some of the speech where he talked about openness. He talked about having an open mm-hmm. door, welcoming voices from all corners, and wanting to hear all opinions, because the outward expectation has been that this is going to be a far-right administration and the policies are going to be reflective of what we've seen largely from the Donald Trump agenda. Donald Trump Jr. even in attendance at the inauguration. We don't know if Donald Trump would have been there had there not been a schedule change or not. Uh, But so the expectation is, oh, it's going to be a far-right agenda. It's going to be a a vastly more conservative uh, governor uh, in, in an administration, maybe than we've ever seen in Louisiana, but we didn't hear necessarily that come out in the speech. Yeah. And uh, I mean, put this in context for me, uh, both of you guys, Robert and, and Dave, seven statewide elected Republicans, as Robert, you pointed out, supermajority in the House and the Senate, leadership of both branches pretty far to the right. I guess would be safe to characterize uh, that. Um, I don't think we've ever, I, I don't, I know I haven't seen this in my adult life. And I've been involved in politics mm-hmm. since 1973, uh, 1971, excuse me, with the election of Edwin Edwards. And uh, back then, um, working with my dad as a precinct captain, I've never seen this landscape align like this. No, I, I think I think it's very fair to say that this is something that Louisiana has not seen. Um, you, the the moderates in, I mean, in some ways Louisiana has been immune from a lot of the polarization uh, that you have seen in other states, and at least certainly at the national level, um, you've had lots of moderates elected. You have far fewer of the moderates there today than than you used to. Uh, and so you have you're going to you're going to see a polarized environment in a way that we haven't seen. And we certainly have you know, the Republican trifecta, as it's called. I mean, you've got you've gotten the both houses and and the governorship in Republican hands and not just in Republican hands, but in very conservative Republican hands. Um, both the, I, I've read reports that both the, the House speaker and the president of the Senate, who are um, were people who were okayed by the or approved by the the governor uh, as being in, in those posts, um, if they indeed win election, they probably will. Um, they have said, however, that they are going to continue the practice uh, that Louisiana has used of appointing members of the opposition party to, as chairs of some of the prominent committees. We'll have to see if that happens. Um, I think if it does happen, that, that's probably a good sign that we haven't completely gone down the road of polarization um, that other places have. Um, but um, but at least that's going to be a sign, I think, to look for um, in the coming weeks. 
typically the landscape that we see today is something that you would expect out of a closed primary system. And a lot of folks, Robert, if you wouldn't mind touching on this, don't realize that in a lot of states, in fact, the vast majority of states, they run in closed primary systems for local offices. And I, I remember when I started traveling around the country as, as a member of major county sheriffs, talking to some of my peers saying that they waited 20 years to run for office because they were waiting for their turn in a closed primary system. And when I said we had open primary and anybody can run whenever they want, how they want, when they want, <laughs> they were like in complete shock. They thought I was like from outer space. <laughs> it was just mm -hmm. really eye-opening for me and as as to how I think we've been the benefit of this open primary system. And I think that's this is one of the, why we've never seen this kind of landscape develop uh, because we've been open primary. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Every, most other places in the in the country for all offices, they are primary elections. Um, some of them are are closed in the sense that only Republicans vote in Republican primaries mm -hmm. and only Democrats vote in Democratic primaries. Uh, a lot of other states have sort of open primaries in the sense that independents and members of the other party can vote in a primary. But what is different from here is that um, you don't have to choose, right? right. Uh, Democrats and Republicans run against one another, and sometimes you get two Republicans in the runoff or two, two Democrats in the runoff. Um, and people like this type of system. Um, several years ago, I forgot how long it was ago, about 15 or 16 years ago or so, um, uh, we switched for congressional uh, elections. We switched to closed primaries, and people did not like that. Um, you had a lot of people who were longtime registered Democrats when the Democratic Party was the big party in the state who came to vote in the Republican Party for Congress, and they were said, oh, you can't vote. They did not, <laughs> they did not like this. Um, they like this open sort of system. And indeed, other states have in recent years, in California recently, about 10 years ago, switched. Uh, you know, Louisiana was the, they switched to the Louisiana model, mm -hmm. uh, to something very, not completely like what we have, but very similar to what we have. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, the open primary system is something, or the open election system, as I like to call it, is, is something that um, is very different than other parts of the country. Dave. And very quickly, I just want to let you know that Philip DeVilliers, a Republican from Eunice, has been elected the Speaker of the Louisiana House of Representatives, as expected. So we are seeing the conservative Republicans yeah. taking over the leadership of the legislature, and that process is unfolding now. Absolutely. we got to get to a break. We're visiting with Robert Hogan, Professor and De Department Chair of Political Science at LSU. Uh, as well as Dave Cohen, WWL News Director, talking about uh, the incoming uh, governor who assumes authority at noon uh, today. That would be Jeff Landry, his inaugural address. We'll continue this conversation when we return. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. Uh, we're joined by Robert Hogan, professor and department chair of political science at LSU, and Dave Cohen, WWL news director, and things are starting to take shape very quickly. Dave. Yeah, even though they have not officially been sworn in yet, the next legislature, we know the leadership now. Philip DeVilliers, as we mentioned before the break, the Republican from Eunice, has been elected Speaker of the House, and GOP Senator Cameron Henry of Metairie, has won the Senate president's position. So the leadership of the legislature is, as we expected, farther to the right to join with the very conservative right-wing governor who yesterday delivered his inaugural address, despite the fact that normally it'd be starting about now. He'd be taking the oath of office and getting ready because at noon is when the change of power officially occurs. Jeff Landry began his address by talking about home. To the cherished people of our beautiful state, honored guests, our historic veterans, our elected officials, family and friends, today, God shined his light on our government. Tomorrow, he promises blessings that he will shower on the entire state. He said, welcome home repeatedly throughout the address. And something very interesting that I have never experienced before, he had music playing throughout the entirety of his inaugural address. And that was unique and different. And I think it was to try to evoke emotion and bring more, uh, I guess, pomp and circumstance to the address, but I found that interesting. Have either of you ever heard that before, where during the inaugural address or any significant uh, speech like this, that there's orchestral music playing through the duration of it? Robert? Uh, I have not. I mean, that that was struck me as a little odd, yes. Um, uh, I was not there. I saw some of it on television, and I, 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 yeah, it was, it was a little, it was a little different. Yeah, I I think the governor wanted to do things a little different. He wanted to depart from what was um, typically done. He went to his home church uh, for the uh, inaugural mass uh, was his plan. I'm assuming that took place yesterday. Maybe not. Maybe it was this morning. I'm not certain. Interestingly, the uh, same individual that actually produces this event and there is a a, a whole group of folks uh, bud corson who i know uh, very well and robert i'm sure you know him as well um he 
produced this event. He produced John Bell's and he produced Bobby Jindal's and one before that. And, you know, so he's been around uh, kind of that um, um, that environment up there in Baton Rouge for a long time. Uh, does a great job. He's always got a, a, an attention to detail. Everybody wants to do something just, I think, a little bit different. No doubt. Uh, and the governor-elect said that a new day is coming to Louisiana. To the great people of Louisiana, welcome home. I'm so deeply humbled. I am humbled first by the grace of God. I'm humbled by your presence here today. I am humbled by the continual prayers that shower our loved ones. And I'm humbled by the friendships we have shared. You know, it is fitting and appropriate that we stand today before this Capitol, having the sun set on the past, where a new Louisiana will dawn. And that's what I was talking about earlier, where we did see some references, although not very specific and not in any way uh, of accusing or attacking. But, you know, to see John Bell Edwards sitting there uh, just off to the a few feet away from Governor-elect Landry when he talked about the sun setting on what we've just had in Louisiana and a new sunrise coming. Uh, so there were references to clear change that is on the way. Robert, comment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, again, this is a hopeful, optimistic speech. Um, you know, cha- change, but change is on the way. I mean, if there's a new day in Louisiana, I, I, I like the idea that you know he's, he's welcoming welcoming people home. I mean, one of the one of the biggest things that people worry about, especially in their own families. You know, their children grow up and they leave Louisiana, right? Yeah. Um, opportun- economic opportunity and other opportunities are, are in other states right across the border in Texas, but in other places. And that's one of the, the big issues that the governor, all governors have tried to, to confront is how do you, how do you confront this out migration? How do you bring economic prosperity to the state? That is the number one um expectation among the public for governors, the expectation about hope for the future is how do you turn things around? And, um, you know, I don't mean to, to put pessimism into this optimistic, <laughs> this optimistic speech here, but uh, I mean, governors have a, a very difficult task in front of them. Landry does. Edwards did. Um, I mean, uh, economic prosperity is, is something very difficult to grow. Um, and um, but it's something that the that, that that people expect. I mean, the number of jobs produced, um, those kinds of things are, are what make governors popular and successful in running for reelection. Um, it's a difficult task ahead of him, and it's something certainly that that all governors. It's a it's a pressure that all governors feel. Um, no doubt, I mean, he feels that his policies will will bring economic prosperity. Um, but the track record is that that you know it, it is very diff- it's a difficult job to, to accomplish. It's not uncommon to see these awkward nuances at an inauguration, right? You have this transition of power. Even when you're going from Democrat to Democrat or Republican to public sure. Republican, there's always uh, you want to try and distinguish yourself from the past. Uh, some yeah. some do it. 
in a more nuanced way. I thought I thought <laughs> Jeff Landry did it in a very nuanced way, quite frankly. I thought he he, he was very statesmanlike. He he really didn't yes. get into the gritty detail. Um, yeah. You know, and of course I. Uh, I think his the inconvenience of having the inauguration on Sunday. I would take that a, a lot more than I would take the two point whatever billion dollar deficit that John Bell Edwards inherited when he came right. into office, right. coupled right. with a three point two billion dollar surplus. Um, that's a much better starting point. <laughs> so you know, oh, absolutely. he's been dealt a much better hand. There's no doubt right. about it. I mean, it. so it's it's hard. I mean, I think it would have been hard to kind of beat up on certain things because there were just so many economic indicators, uh, low unemployment right now, a lot of mm-hmm. things uh, kind of uh, timing as everything fell into place. It's, it's, you, you can't. <laughs> yeah. And, and we had the advantage that it, it, Landry did not defeat Edwards. Edwards, of course, yeah, yeah, could yeah, not was, run. Right, was, so right. that took some of that awkwardness you out of you it. You didn't have that, you know, that you, you have right. if it is one incoming governor who has defeated uh, the former governor. One of the things that Landry talked about in his address that he wants to do to try and welcome home more Louisianians that may have been driven out of the state or left for various reasons is refocus the role of education. For the people of this state are hopeful and they are anxious. They demand leadership that will place the greater good of this state above personal agendas, delusional entitlements, and special interests. People seek government that reflects their values. They demand that our children be afforded an education that reflects those wholesome principles, not an indoctrination behind their mother's back. I believe the most important voice in a child's education should be that of their parents. And there, Landry, clearly making reference to some of the LGBTQ plus issues that were so prominent over the last several years during the Edwards administration and the arguments over what uh, should take place and can take place in schools and, and what roles teachers should play in social issues, I would imagine, is what I got out of that. What did you hear, Professor Hogan? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what he was saying, but saying it in a very nuanced way. Um, that was not um, you know, put, you know, using hyperbolic terms or anything like that. It was, it was, it was stated in a way that that makes people understand that there's going to be a change. I mean, election as as Barack Obama was famously, you know, said, you know, elections have consequences, and there are consequences to this last election. There is change coming, and um, voters endorse these these changes, and um, I think you're going to see some, some massive changes. Uh, governors have, in Louisiana, as in a lot of states, have a great deal of discretion in terms of who they appoint uh, in, to be to hold certain positions of power on school board, uh, the, the, or the Bessie board, uh, um, in, a, in a variety of important uh, places. They also, of course, have an enormous amount of control over the budget, and and that is where often uh, the state government plays a, a huge role in the education system. So, um, I think there are going to be some major changes. This is, I think, if I had to say, what you know, what are the one of the top issue areas that 
this new governor is going to focus on and is going to be controversial uh, is, is clearly going to be, I mean, one of them is clearly education. You know, and historically, when we've not done well uh, by any measure uh, in education, I mean, we, we're doing better. We're scoring a little better. Uh, we're still, what, 47th, 48th, 49th, or whatever. Uh, our mm-hmm. cost per student is higher than most states in, in the southeastern part of the United States. So when you look at some of the evidence-based outcomes, uh, it's so very true. And I think that's why, you know, choice is going to be a big issue. But when you see these ideological differences start to um, uh, appear, and and more so in an overt way than in a covert way, it's typically in response to people feeling we've gone too far too fast. And this is kind of the pushback that you see, uh, you know, where that pendulum always swings back as hard as as it went in one direction. It's coming back hard in the other direction. And... And I think that's where we are in Louisiana on a number of issues. Your thoughts, Robert? Well, I mean, I think education is just – this is an area that is uh, fraught with controversy. Um, you know, the evidence isn't clear on a lot of these issues of which direction you go. You have um, states that are very near the top of the, of the heap of the, of the states who, who students are performing well, have have – you know, don't necessarily have um, uh, you know, th- these choice systems uh, that that are so um, much um, uh, talked about uh, in conservative circles. Um, there is no silver bullet to a lot of these issues, and that's, yeah. that gets back to what I was pointing out earlier. A lot of a lot of things that governors have to do are very practical issues. It is about um, you have students who need to be educated, you have a school system that is existing, um, teachers that need to be paid. Um, it, it's, it is difficult to make these sort of fundamental changes. And it is because you have staunch interest groups uh, in place, but you also have a great deal of, of simple uh, inertia that exists in the system, and it's difficult to make major changes. Yeah, no doubt. Got to get to a break. We're visiting with Robert Hogan, professor and department chair of political science at LSU. Dave Cohen, WWL News Director. We'll continue this conversation when we return. Stay with us. This is Newell on WWL. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by Robert Hogan, professor and department chair of political science at LSU, as well as Dave Cohen, WWL news director. We've been talking about the inaugural address that occurred yesterday as a result of having to move it because of the weather today. And he made the right choice for sure. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. It's 1148. He actually assumes the power of the governor's office and the authority of the governor's office at 12 noon uh, today. We've seen some actions by the uh, leadership on leadership of both the state house and the state Senate uh, thus far. Robert, one of the things that I, I one of the highlights of his speech yesterday that I actually really enjoyed because he he really hasn't revealed much about his family on on the campaign trail was when he talked about his mom, his mom being a teacher and his mom being, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the few female coaches at the time taking on an endeavor with female basketball. And I loved when he said and he was leading up to saying that, you know, they about this se- the first season that they had. And I was expecting to hear that they went like, you know, they lost the first game, he said, by 100 points. And I was expecting that they were going to have this comeback. And he was like, no, they lost every game. <laughs> and, it, and it just got to the point by, you know, of how many points were they going to lose the game by? But, you know, just talking about that fortitude and, and that staying the course and, and the difference that it made. And then it has, asking that first team to stand up. Uh, I didn't get to see it on television, but they had, from what I understand, many members of that first team that his mother obviously had a strong influence in their lives that were there to join them in the celebration of the election of her son as governor of the state of Louisiana. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a, a time when there's a reflection of one's own personal um uh, climb through the through the ranks to to get to this office, and and you know it, it's it's a it's about all of us too, you know. <laughs> we're yeah. we're all um, living lives uh, here in the state, and um, it, it reminds of uh, us us too of our accomplishments and, and things that we want to achieve, and and um, and reminds us that also that we're in this together. I mean, in some ways, these inaugural ceremonies, um, you know, while there's a lot of fluff, you might say. Um, it is a reaffirmation of who we are, what we believe in, um, the peaceful transfer of power. I think that's why Trump got a lot of flack for not attending um, his uh, opponent's inaugural. Um, but you, you see that. You see Democrats and Republicans on the stage together, uh, shaking hands, being cordial. There is more that uh, joins us together than breaks us apart. Uh, we're all humans. Um, um, and we are um, uh, in this together, and, and I think it's a, a good affirmation of, of, the, of, of the, the key critical values that we all share. You know, and that's one of the things that Governor-elect Landry did say that I think may have surprised some people during his inaugural address, that he does want to hear from everyone. 
The people of Louisiana deserve a government as great as they are. And I fully appreciate that in governing, a difference of opinion must exist for there to be deliberation. And it is our duty to deliberate respectfully and productively to deliver solutions that our people seek. It is in that spirit that I welcome your thoughts. I value your opinions. I respect your ideologies. And I sincerely invite your ideas. So again, to the legislature, I ask you to help me help you and together help them for failure in this state is not an option anymore. I'm not sure that failure was ever an option for anybody, but I mean, you know, as I said, I've said this a multitude of times, you campaign in poetry and you govern in prose. And one of the things about governing is you recognize right away sometimes how little impact you may have on a particular issue and how hard strategically and otherwise it is to have an impact um, when you're kind of herding cats that have all kinds of um, life experiences, ideological differences of opinion on certain, you know, issues and just basic differences of opinion on issues. Yeah, I mean, uh, campaign, if you, if, what's really interesting in American politics and in, in elections, democratic elections everywhere, you go through a campaign in which you have candidates running for office who tell you over and over and over and over again, you accept my plan, you vote for me. Let me going to tell you, there's going to be huge prosperity. Everything's going to be great. There's a new day. There'll be a new day in Louisiana. Uh, and when you have to govern, you recognize that you're not a king or queen. <laughs> you have to work with other people. And you have to, as he says in his speech there, he has to deliberate. Um, he has to work with other people. We're in this together. Um, even a governor as powerful as he is, um, is stepping into this office, which is the most powerful that, that we have seen, given the support for conservatives and Republicans across the state, um, he is still going to need people to work with him to achieve the goals he wants to achieve. Part of the problem, um, though, yeah. with having yeah. the landscape that you have, wouldn't you agree, is that expectations are higher, he's, especially he's amongst huge. your amongst your base. Because the, mean, uh, the perception is there are very few obstacles yeah. to him being That's able right. to do what he wants, but history— and mm -hmm. current conditions may be the biggest obstacle he faces, a state that has 300 years of being one of the most impoverished with the worst education and the highest crime. Can he, despite having so much power that other governors may not have had, can he overcome all that history and solve those problems in four years or eight years? Yeah, yeah absolutely. The expectations are, are astronomical at this point. And you're right. He may find the people he has to fight the hardest with are the people he agrees with ideologically, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's In this state, with a Democratic governor who can veto things, there's a huge amount of pent-up desire to achieve, you know, for certain uh, policy ends to be made. And there are a lot of conservative Republicans who have their own pet projects, the things that they want to see, and he's going to have to, he's going to have to tell a lot of those people, no, no, look, you, you, we're going to put that aside and we're going to deal with my agenda. Uh, so it may be that the people he fights the most with are people within his own ideological and party camp. Remember the words I said earlier, too far, too fast. 
as opposed to measured. And that is a real delicate balance as to how people react, I think, in that respect. All right, we got to get to another break. We're visiting with Robert Hogan, professor and department chair of political science at LSU, and Dave Cohen, WWL News Director. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Robert Hogan, professor and department chair of political science at LSU. Dave Cohen, WWL News Director, joins us as well. We've been talking about uh, the inaugural address that took place yesterday in just a minute under the Louisiana Constitution. The governor assumes the authority of being governor of the great state of Louisiana. And it's going to be interesting in the next hour. We may have some breaking news. We don't know if there are any executive orders that have already been queued up that he's going to issue right after becoming governor. It'd be interesting to see if he does plan to do that and what those are. Yeah, I, I know that in the case of uh, John Bell Edwards, one of the first that he did was Medicaid expansion. And so when we come back after the top of the news break, there are portions of the inaugural address addressing crime, energy, health care. We'll talk about those when we come back with Robert Hogan and Dave Cohen. Stay with us. We'll be right back after the break. This is Newell on WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.